0: From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker, editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter, and joining me today is Paul Krozak, the senior budget reporter, to talk about a very candid interview he did last week with the outgoing director of the Congressional Budget Office. Thanks for being here again, Paul.
1: It's great to be here. Thanks, David.
0: So after a four-year term... Uh, Keith Hall is stepping down as director of the Congressional Budget Office. That's the nonpartisan agency that serves as the official scorekeeper on all budget matters for Congress. And although Hall is a Republican, he had some fairly tough words for Republican leaders in your interview about both rising deficits and their efforts to repeal the Obama administration's Affordable Care Act. Let's listen to a clip of what he had to say on that.
2: In fact, if you want to blame somebody, I I would— I'm on the way out, so I can say this. If Congress really wanted to change Obamacare, they're the ones that blew it with their process, not CBO. We mm-hmm. just called it like we saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I got to say, their process was one where it made it very difficult on CBO. There wasn't much debate, there were no hearings, there was very little discussion about what the details were. In fact, they had us work confidentially for a long time in secret. I had a mm-hmm. lot of bad interactions with members of Congress who wanted to know what we were working on. Mm -hmm. But we were asked, budget committees asked us to work in private, Health uh, the uh, leadership asked us to work in private, so we had to work through that.
0: Paul, that was a pretty stunning statement from a guy who spent four years trying to be as neutral and objective and and, uh, (laughs) as uh, unoffending as possible.
1: Uh, It it really was, David. Um, If we go back to 2017... um, When Republicans were trying to uh, repeal the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, there was some really harsh criticism uh, from Republicans and especially from the White House of the CBO's cost estimate of the repeal. Uh, The the CBO said that if the health care law was repealed, that more than 20 million people would lose their health insurance or choose not to keep their right? And Right. And that
0: CBO estimate made a big impact, in, I think, in in public persuasion in terms of whether to repeal the, the, the health care law or not. And so the White House was under a lot of pressure at the time to to deflect that uh, CBO analysis.
1: That, that's exactly right. And if you look at the history of CBO, when CBO puts out cost estimates of legislation, um, there are often complaints from lawmakers who disagree with the score. But what was New about 2017 was you had a number of White House officials who really went after CBO, um, including uh, Mick Mulvaney, who was director of the Office of Management and Budget at the time. I'm not just saying that because it looks bad for my political position. I'm saying that based upon a track record of the CBO being wrong before, and we believe the CBO is wrong now. Mulvaney basically said uh, we probably don't even need a CBO anymore because it's 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 no longer uh, it's biased. It's not nonpartisan. Yeah it um, was a
0: blunt attack on their very existence, which it, is unusual.
1: That's right. Uh, exactly. And so the the CBO director um, and CBO officials, I mean, typically they do not defend themselves from these attacks. I mean, if if a score is criticized, they might explain, you know, why, this is why we came up with this cost estimate, but they generally... Which is what they did at the time. Right. But they generally don't really defend themselves against, against attacks, and, and they did not do that in this case. Um, but the, the criticism was serious enough that the previous eight CBO directors all got together and wrote a letter defending the CBO.
0: Which was telling. That's right. Um, but now Hall, Hall obviously is leaving, and he feels freer to speak. And he pins the blame squarely on Congress for their inability to repeal the the, health care law that they said they they don't like.
1: That's right. I mean, he he defended the CBO score. And as we heard in the clip, um, Dr. Hall said that there there was no transparency um, with this uh, attempted repeal. Um, There was very little information released until the bill was actually released. Uh, There were no there were no hearings on repeal or on health care ahead of the introduction of this bill. And, Demo- and, and it's true. And Democrats did claim that the, they complained about it at the time. Right. They went back to when they passed um, Obamacare. And there, was, there were months and months of hearings and debate and discussion ahead of, of passing that health care law. Now, now, Republicans charged at the time that it was a very partisan process. Um, and, and that is true. But nevertheless... There was a lot of debate and discussion ahead of passing that health care law back in 2010. But um, it was different with the repeal effort, and that was a point that that Keith Hall was making.
0: And, of course, Republicans really didn't have a replacement plan ready to go, even though they wanted to repeal it, which also hurt their effort, which I think was part of Hall's point here that it's Congress's own fault if they weren't able to repeal because no one knew what they would replace it with.
1: And and they did have – you know, Republicans did have various – partial replacement plans, but Republicans had a really hard time coming together on a repeal and a replacement. It was easier.
0: There was certainly no consensus plan for replacement that really had public support behind it, though. So so Hall was fairly um, candid, I thought, in in trying to punch back here. He
1: was. And I mean, I think, and he said it was very frustrating at the time when CBO was being attacked and when he could not say anything. And he said, what we do here at CBO is, you know, we put out our best cost estimate, we put out our best analysis, and we let it just stand on its own. Right. Uh, people can can criticize it. People can question it. Um, we put our best product out there. That is the CBO practice. But now that he is um, has uh, left, uh, he's done as CBO director. He can be a little bit more, a uh, little bit more candid. And I had asked him, you know, did this affect CBO? Did this affect the the staff of of CBO? These attacks, and he said, not really. He said he he felt everybody there recognized what was going on, that it was political, um, and he said it, you know, the staff may even have been, you know, strengthened in some way by standing together, you know. Which is what criticism. you'd expect professional
0: uh, federal. Career civil servants to do in that in that circumstance, uh-huh. but now another place where he was very candid with you was on the rising deficits that we've been having. Uh, he was he was harshly critical and saying, you know, CB, because CBO has has been warning for some time through their reports about this escalating debt at a time of a strong economy, which was which is an unusual occurrence. You often run deficits in bad times, but here we are running deficits in good times which Hall made that point, I think. Let's, let's, let's listen to another clip of what he said on the deficit.
2: Just the federal spending now, going forward over the next 10 years, for people aged 65 or older, it's going to hit about 50 percent of the entire federal spending budget, 50 percent. And they make up 20 percent of the population. Hmm. And so I was just trying to make the point there that this is a generational issue. And I'm telling you all the reasons why they should do something. I'm not telling you much about why they don't. Do you th- um, there's actually a, a quote I've, I've grown to like. Uh, it's, a, it's a John F. Kennedy quote. Hmm. The time to fix the roof is when it's sunny. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's sunny right now. We've got a nice economy. We should be running a surplus right now, not a deficit.
0: So, Paul, I sense frustration there uh, in the outgoing director that, that his warnings aren't being taken seriously enough.
1: That's right. Um, CBO, as you said, has been uh, warning for a long time that the trajectory of the budget is unsustainable. Spending is growing faster than the economy, faster than revenues. And um, every year, CBO puts out um, a thick book with options for reducing the deficit, all kinds of options for reducing the deficit. But I mean, CBO cannot recommend any particular option or policy alternative, but it can put those options out there. But But Hall is very frustrated that during a time of strong economic growth that Congress is continuing to increase the deficit, increase the debt, Um, that is partly a result of the 2017 tax cut. That's adding to the deficit. It's also the result of increasing spending, including the past budget deals that raised the caps uh, one of the points that Hall made was that looking at s- spending projections over the next 10 years, um, the biggest amount of spending is is going to those 65 and over through Social Security, uh, through Medicare, health care spending.
0: Yeah. Those um, are always the biggest entitlement programs that are really skyrocketing in cost.
1: Right, and and a smaller, smaller portion uh, for those who are younger – um, and he referred to it as inter- inter- intergenerational transfer, where most of the budget is going to those who are older. Um, and at some point, um, y- you know, there's there's going to be a reckoning.
0: It's the next generation that has to pay the bills. Right, right. Yeah, that's his concern. Uh, and so at the same time, he he has taken it upon himself – to defend his agency, even while he was in office, by by doing these efforts at what he called transparency and making the office more transparent. Can you give us an example or two of what he's doing, what he's been trying to do to take some of the mystique out of CBO and, and deflect these charges that they, they're a secret cabal?
1: Well, when he became CBO director, one of the things that congressional leaders wanted him to do was increase transparency at CBO. So, um, so he's really had a multi-pronged effort to do that, and it, it shows up in a lot of different ways. CBO now puts out regular transparency reports where it lists everything that, it, that it's doing, but it includes providing more explanation in the reports. It includes making more numbers available. Um, it includes um, making models publicly available and even providing a way for people to play with these models.
0: Any sense as to whether Congress is impressed by that effort, whether it's doing anything to lessen the criticism or having no effect? How would you?
1: Uh, The feedback has been good from Congress. I mean, I think Congress has been pleased.
0: So Hall ended his tenure at CBO last week. His last day was Friday, I believe. Who is the new director? The
1: new director is Philip Swagel, who also is a Republican, but he's a Republican who appears to be uh, respected by both sides, Democrats and Republicans. He most recently was an economist um, at the University of Maryland, um, but he has extensive experience in the executive branch. Uh, He was an assistant uh, secretary for economic policy at Treasury during the George W. Bush administration. Um, He was also uh, on the White House Council of Economic Advisors. Prior to that, uh, worked at uh, the uh, International Monetary Fund, uh, Federal Reserve.
0: Okay. So um, no one's going to argue. He's not experienced.
1: He's experienced. Uh, he's respected. And he is, um, I mean, already starting a pretty aggressive outreach, um, I guess, to the world. Um, he his, his first day was Monday. And he uh, put out a blog on Monday introducing himself.
0: Okay. So we'll keep an eye on the new director's work and see whether CBO changes at all under his leadership. Meanwhile, here's what to look for this week in budget news on Capitol Hill. The House is scheduled to finally clear a long-delayed disaster aid package amounting to $19.1 billion in relief for victims of hurricanes, wildfires, and other natural disasters. The bill will go to President Trump for his signature after a vote Monday night and House appropriators plan to advance more of their fiscal 2020 spending bills. The Appropriations Committee will take up the Transportation HUD bill and the Agriculture bill on Tuesday, and the Financial Services bill and the Homeland Security bill will get subcommittee markups this week as well. So look for another fight over funding for a border wall when the Homeland Security bill gets a markup on Wednesday. That does it for us today. My thanks again to Paul Krozak, our senior budget reporter, for joining me. Thanks, Paul.
1: Thank you, David.
0: And thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate us on iTunes, or find us on Spotify, Stitcher, NPR1, or you can just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And for more budget news, subscribe to CQ.com or visit RollCall.com, or find us on Twitter. The handle is at CQNow or at RollCall. See you next week.